three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning, good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports, episode 414. Welcome in. Uh, today's episode is really fun. We're going to talk about Thursday Night Football, the Falcons and the Patriots. We're going to talk about Hard Knocks. The Colts are now doing an in-season Hard Knocks series, which has been... I got some stuff to say about that. We'll talk about NFL Week 11, do kind of a preview, share some of the top games coming up this weekend. Got a very, very healthy Ask Zach segment. We'll talk a lot about Matt Ryan, the Falcons quarterback. Uh, and I want to start today by letting you know tomorrow's the day. Tomorrow is the day. I'm going to buzz my hair again. Going to get in the shower. My fiance is going to buzz it off. Uh, it's one of those things where, and I don't think my hair looks like terrible or anything, but it's funny how, how much it affects your confidence when you look in the, like the mirror and you're like, mm, I don't like it. And I, I looked at my hair. I got out of the shower a couple minutes ago. I, I shower before every episode and uh, <laughs> my hair was like straight down and I couldn't fix it. I'm like, ah, I'm just so, I, I just, man, I, I hate having hair. It's so annoying. It's so frustrating. I feel like I've been talking about it for a couple episodes. Tomorrow, I finally have some time. Friday opens up a little bit, and I'm like, it's gonna, it's time to, to shave the head again. Let's start by talking about Thursday Night Football. On Thursday Night Football, the Patriots beat the Falcons 25-0. And the game could not have gone more opposite for Atlanta and New England. Atlanta, it's, it's bad. It's really bad right now. Uh, I, I think in the last two games, they've had probably... Their worst stretch of football. You know, right now feels like a low point for the Atlanta Falcons. They lost on Sunday horribly to Dallas. They lost again on Thursday Night Football. In the last two games, Atlanta has been outscored 68-3. to Horrible. Horrible, embarrassing, bad performances. They lost, gosh, uh, 68 minus 25 is, should be 43. So they lost 43-3 to on Sunday. Here and now, today, they lost uh, Thursday night. They, um, Thursday night football, they lost 25 nothing to New England. It's awful. I, I don't think that things can get much worse from here. And we got a question on Patreon. You can uh, write into the show on Patreon. Patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. Menko wrote in today. Let me see if I can open it. He wrote in and he said, sorry for not opening this earlier. He said, oh, of course. Menko says, I am done with Arthur Smith. It was bad enough not drafting a quarterback, but now to be an offensive-minded coach, you can't move the ball. I think he's out next year. Yeah, man. Um, I don't. It's hard to tell because Atlanta is clearly rebuilding with a new head coach, and I don't want to be the guy who's like, he's awful, he's terrible. But I mean, he is an offensive-minded coach, and the Falcons' offense looks horrible. And Matt Ryan is not a bad quarterback. Like I say, whatever you want about Matt Ryan. He's a former NFL MVP who's getting hit like every single play. Yeah, I don't think you can blame Atlanta's struggles on Matt Ryan. And we'll get into that in a moment. I, I really, every time I watch Atlanta, I just go, I feel so bad for Matt Ryan. He's not getting the support he needs. It's horrible there. And Arthur Smith, I, I did not feel good about him getting hired at the time. I remember, I wasn't, I wasn't like, this is a terrible hire, but I remember feeling very lukewarm and, and thinking that, when he was in Tennessee last year as the offensive coordinator, I actually wasn't a fan of what he was doing. I thought that he needed to evolve Tennessee's passing game a little bit. And I am starting to feel like I, my hesitation to embrace him as the Falcons head coach is getting validated. I'm like, yeah, things aren't good. Now, the Patriots, oh my gosh, they're winning game after game after game. And I was really early onto the Patriots bandwagon. I was like, look, this team at bandwagon is probably the wrong word there. I believed in them a while ago. Like they, they're playing great football. They run the ball well. They play great defense. Mac Jones, uh, he had one mistake. He threw an interception against Atlanta. AJ Terrell made a fantastic interception. It was not a great decision by Mac Jones. The pick he threw is throwing a seam ball uh, down the right hash. And I mean, really what happened was AJ Terrell kind of did his own thing. He left his assignment. He, he read Mac Jones' eyes. If Mac Jones could you know, kind of see what A.J. Terrell was doing and who left his assignment, left Nikhil Harry wide open on the right sideline. I did, you know, in theory, it could have hit Nikhil Harry, but he decided to throw and A.J. Terrell left his spot and uh, went and made a really great interception. Good for him. Other than the pick, though, 
Mac Jones was 22 for 26 with 207 yards and a touchdown. And the dude is just distributing the ball. Like he's just making great decision after great decision, putting the ball in the right spot. And I want to praise Mac Jones. It's pretty crazy how quickly he has been able to gain the confidence of the Patriots organization and, and the Patriots fan base. And if you watch the broadcast, you heard, heard Troy Aikman talk about how, you know, Bill Belichick isn't going to retire anytime soon because now he's got a quarterback for the next 10 to 15, maybe 18 years. And you're like, what? And it's, it's just, it's really remarkable how quickly Mac Jones has gained the confidence of everybody watching him. He's done what a lot of young quarterbacks have been completely unable to do. Tua, I love Tua. You know this. Tua Tungavaloa doesn't have the confidence of even me, his like biggest supporter, let alone his fan base. And, you know, Dwayne Haskins failed. Sam Darnold failed. Baker Mayfield has no—nobody believes in Baker Mayfield long-term in Cleveland. Josh Rosen, I mean, part of it—and this cannot be understated. Part of why um, Mac Jones is doing so well is because he's on a good football team. They do run the ball well. They do have a good defense. They did get him a couple tight ends and some receivers. I mean, they really did support Mac Jones, which that's exactly what you do with a young quarterback. If you're developing a young quarterback, you got to get them help. And Mac Jones has been given a lot of help. And then the other part is you got to give credit to Mac Jones. Mac Jones has played very, very well. And I mean, look, he's incredibly accurate. He's making great decisions, sending the ball to the right spot. Um, He's not afraid to play boring, meaning that if you give Mac Jones a five-yard completion, he'll take it every single time. Like, it's just ridiculous. It's kind of crazy. He identifies good matchups. He uh, That's actually a Joe Burrow thing. When you watch Joe Burrow in college, I remember being so amazed by Joe Burrow's ability to make sure his first read was the right one. And, and what that means is that you, you often hear people talk about how he's a one-read quarterback. Well, kind of. If you have a quarterback who's throwing to the first read all the time, part of that might be it's a great play call where the quarterback is being set up to succeed. And that, that is true a lot of the time. And, and Mac Jones, I think, is benefiting from good play calling from Josh McDaniels, the Patriots offensive coordinator. But let's not you know, hesitate to give credit to Mac Jones where it's deserved because he's also identifying good matchups. Part of why he's throwing to his first read a lot is because he's going, huh, where's my best spot to throw the football? And the first option's the best one because he made the right decision pre-snap or post-snap he had you know he he identified a coverage and said snap the ball and then confirmed what he he identified before the snap finds the right spot throws the ball to the first read happens all the time and it's just really cool how patient Mac Jones is he's just I mean easily the one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL right now and and I would I now have said you know Josh Allen in my mind is no longer a young quarterback we're talking guys in their first second year who are still trying to prove themselves. And would you rather have Baker Mayfield right now or Mac Jones? <laughs> like, like Mac Jones is better than Baker. Like by a lot. Patient, taking the right. Just It's really remarkable how well Mac Jones is playing. I want to give him credit there. Now, um, I, oh man. There was a horrible drive I want to talk about with uh, the Atlanta Falcons. It's just disgraceful. They had a situation where Matt Ryan had a third and one. And, man, Matt Ryan had such an easy opportunity to throw the ball to where they run play action. He's got a defender on his face. Matt Ryan tries to move out of the pocket. He's got a defender in his face. He pump fakes. Guy doesn't bite. Matt, Matt, throw the ball away. Get the ball out of your hands. Matt Ryan doesn't throw the ball away on fourth and one. Oh, sorry, on third and one, excuse me. Takes a 13-yard sack. So what was third and one becomes fourth and 14 because Matt, Matt Ryan didn't throw the ball away. And then, so... If Matt Ryan throws the ball away on third and one, then you can either go for it or because you're on the 13, 14 yard line, by the way, third and one, you either kick an easy field goal or you go for it. Maybe on fourth and one, if Matt Ryan throws the ball away, I mean, that's why you're throwing the ball, by the way, on third and one is because you're like, hey, if we don't get it here, we can go for it on fourth and one. Instead, Matt Ryan takes a boneheaded sack. Then Atlanta lines up to kick a field goal, an easy, not easy, but. It's a 45-yard field goal. Would have been easier, by the way, if Matt Ryan hadn't taken the sack. They, the Falcons make the 45-yard field goal. Oh, but ah, uh, uh, guess what? Illegal formation on the kick. They got to kick again, this time from 50 yards, and the Falcons kicker missed. And you're like, oh, it's just bad football all around. Don't take the sack on third and one. 
And then when you finally do make the 45-yard field goal, let's not have an illegal formation penalty. The Falcons look horrible. It's just bad play after bad play after bad play. And I, I just, again, you can, you can blame Matt Ryan. That offensive line is doing him no favors. It's frustrating. It's not good to see. And uh, again, well, I want to I touch on that. I, I've got an idea for a Matt Ryan trade that could be fun. First of all, I want to read a question. Let me, let me find it. It is from... The question is from... Oh, it's, it's a different spot. There we go. It's from Brass Monkey. He says, as it stands right now, Patriots versus Chiefs, who wins? So, yeah, I, I was watching the game, and I was trying to think of, like, okay, who could give the Patriots some problems right now? They run the ball well. They play great defense. The, th- the only limitation the Patriots have right now is they just don't throw the ball downfield a lot. When you watch the Green Bay Packers, they are throwing the ball all over the field. The Patriots aren't doing that. They've got like one completion or even one attempt beyond 20 yards. They're just not throwing the ball downfield. And I'm like, well, maybe Miami could give the Patriots some trouble. Uh, Now, the Patriots and Miami do not play again until the final game of the year. And so the Patriots might luck out. They might miss a good game plan from Miami. Some because they might be resting their starters to get ready for the playoffs. So that's an interesting thought there. But then the next thing I thought of was like, oh, man, you know, it'd be really cool to see Kansas City play against Mac Jones. We watched the Kansas City Chiefs against Jordan Love. Was it last week, two weeks ago? I don't remember how, how recent it was. But they had this really great game plan where they blitzed Jordan Love a ton, ton of young quarterback. They played man coverage on the outside and said, you have to beat us throwing the ball downfield. We're going to take away your running game. We are going to blitz you a ton, play cover zero, and challenge you to beat our man coverage. Jordan Love was incapable of doing that. He couldn't identify blitzes very well. He couldn't beat man coverage. I am, I'd love to find out, could Mac Jones beat the man coverage from the Kansas City Chiefs? Is that even possible? That would be really, I just, I have to know. That sounds amazing to find out. I really, really want to see that matchup. And I think that would, like, man, uh, talk about a wild card weekend. Patriots against Kansas City would be an amazing matchup. I want to see that. I am now rooting for that. I didn't think I would be, but I very much want to see that. All right. Uh, let me see if there's any other notes before we get into a potential Matt Ryan trade. The offensive line is bad. Uh, oh, man. Here, here's something I, I didn't talk about yet from this game. So Atlanta threw not one, not two, not three even, but four interceptions in a row on their final four drives. It's awful. Matt Ryan... Uh, was 19 for 28 passing, 153 yards, zero touchdowns, two interceptions. He's had a really bad couple games. But on the final four drives of the game, Atlanta threw four interceptions. The first one uh, was kind of a, a throw that Matt Ryan was forcing downfield. Nothing was really there. He's getting hit as he throws. I can't blame Matt Ryan at this point for an interception like that late in the game in the fourth quarter. Your offense has done nothing all day. You're getting more and more desperate. You're trying to make a play. I just, like, by the fourth quarter, you're down a bunch of points. You're trying to make something happen. I don't blame Matt Ryan at all for throwing a bad interception. Just trying to make something happen downfield. On the second interception, Matt Ryan throws the ball a little bit high along the left sideline. Receiver tips it up. J.C. Jackson grabs it. Almost a pick six, by the way, but J.C. Jackson stepped out of bounds. So Matt Ryan had two interceptions. They go, we're down a bunch of points. Let's take Matt Ryan out. In comes Josh Rosen. He's one for three with a pick six, and you're like, oh, Josh, oh my gosh. And then on the next drive, they put in Felipe Franks instead at quarterback. He goes 0 for 1, also with an interception. One play for Felipe Franks on the day, throws a pick. Interception, 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 interception. It's all bad. Atlanta, like, (laughs) I, it kind of, you know, people clown on Robert Sala. The Jets' defense is horrible, and Robert Sala is supposed to be a defensive-minded coach. What about Arthur Smith? He's supposed to be an offensive-minded coach, and the Falcons' offense right now looks absolutely horrible. It doesn't matter what they put out there, what quarterback they have. <laughs> Everybody's bad. I just, I don't know. I, I I think people are very, very quick to come after Matt Ryan and blame Matt Ryan for the challenges that their team, are, uh, the Atlanta Falcons football team is having. Man, when you give Matt Ryan support, we have seen him. He won an NFL MVP. 
He went to a Super Bowl. He lost, but man, I, you can't deny Matt Ryan's ability. And, and the dude is a warrior. He's getting hit every single play. I, I mentioned it earlier. When I watch the Falcons, I just feel bad for Matt Ryan. That offensive line is horrible. There's nothing you can do there. And it's not a great quarterback draft. And Atlanta isn't going anywhere. They got an aging quarterback, Matt Ryan, who might be more valuable to them as a trade piece than to continue trying to win and rebuilding around him. And I think it'd be weird to not at least mention the possibility of a Matt Ryan trade. Again, not a great quarterback draft. You got Malik Willis, Matt Corral. We'll see where they pan out and where they shake out in the draft. But I mean, after that, it's like, ah. And so there's a lot of quarterback needy teams around the NFL. Matt Ryan's a name that hasn't been brought up yet as a potential guy who could be moving this offseason that I think should be mentioned. So they're not going to trade him to New Orleans. They're not going to trade him to Carolina. That's in their division, the NFC South. But I've come up with five teams that I think are the top five potential trade destinations for Matt Ryan and where Atlanta could send him. Now, I don't know that it entirely makes sense for Atlanta to trade away Matt Ryan. Uh, again, it it would make sense with the fa- for the fact that if they want to rebuild – they might want to get a younger quarterback. They might want to just reset everything and truly do a reset because it's not working with Matt Ryan. Maybe they want to trade him away, get a you know a king's ransom for him. But I, I, I don't know that I would trade away Matt Ryan. I, I'd try to keep building around him. However, as a fan who does believe in Matt Ryan, I want Matt Ryan out of there. Does a trade make sense? I, I'm not entirely sure, but I, I want to rescue Matt Ryan from this horrible Atlanta Falcons offensive line, this bad situation with a coach I don't really believe in. It's a bad organization. So the, the best team I think you could send Matt Ryan to, it's like a, it's a, it's a dream situation. I don't know if it works financially. But the Cleveland Browns have a lot of weapons down there in Cleveland. They run the ball well. They have some good receivers. They got a couple of good tight ends. Austin Hooper used to play with Matt Ryan in Atlanta. Imagine sending Matt Ryan to Cleveland. What's the problem in Cleveland right now? Injuries is one. Number two, Baker's not playing very well. Baker Mayfield, their young quarterback. I mean, the, the, the options are open. Atlanta's, or sorry, Cleveland is looking at everything they can do to try to get better quarterback play next year. I solved your problem. Go get Matt Ryan. That'd be incredible. So that's one option. Option number two, and by the way, maybe you, you, Cleveland sends Baker to Atlanta and they try to build around Baker Mayfield. I don't know. I mean, I, if you get Baker and a couple first-round picks, do you send... If you're Cleveland and you can get Matt Ryan for Baker Mayfield and a first-round pick or two, I think you make that deal. Now, can they afford to make that deal? I don't know. Like, financially, can they pay him with their salary cap? I don't know. That's a question for someone else to figure out. I wish I knew that answer. I put it, I put this together. I'm like, ah, oh, that sounds like a fun trade. The Denver Broncos is another spot Matt Ryan could go where it's another quarterback needy team. That's got some good weapons. They're ready to win. They just need good quarterback play. Hey, Matt Ryan can solve that problem as well. Now, the Pittsburgh Steelers is a team. They got Big Ben about to retire. And they're another reason why. So all these teams, the the top five teams I think Matt Ryan could go to are all AFC teams where Atlanta doesn't want to trade away Matt Ryan and then have to play him twice a year or have to play him maybe in the playoffs. So like we're just, we don't want to do that. Let's send him to an AFC team. Pittsburgh is a good spot. They're a team that needs a quarterback. And I don't know that I believe in Dwayne Haskins. The NFL draft isn't great for quarterbacks this year. How about trading for Matt Ryan? Matt Ryan to Pittsburgh makes a lot of sense. It'd be really good. That would be a good spot for him to land. Because I want Matt Ryan to go somewhere where he can win. I I feel bad for him. And I I really want to see him go somewhere with more support and more help to help him win. Team number four. How about Houston? Imagine Deshaun Watson, if his legal stuff works out. Imagine Deshaun Watson going to Atlanta. That'd be fun, first of all. And then imagine Houston just you know, getting a high-level quarterback. Now, it would suck for Matt Ryan to go to Houston. They're awful. That would suck. But if you're going to trade away Deshaun Watson and you want a quarterback in return, I'm sorry, I would rather have Matt Ryan than Tua. Like, he, you know... Houston's got to try to make a trade to get rid of Deshaun Watson. Get a couple of first-round picks and Matt Ryan. Hey, we're talking. You got a good quarterback. You got a couple first-round picks. And it's it's better than you know getting Tua, who I, I, I love Tua. I don't know that I would trade 
Deshaun Watson for Tua based on how, how at least their ability, based on how good they are on the field, they're not even close to comparable. At least if you trade Deshaun Watson for Matt Ryan, you know you're getting good quarterback play from that trade. The fifth best spot you could send Matt Ryan uh, is maybe Miami. Miami has Tua. It seems like they just don't believe in him. They don't want him. They refuse to build around him. Now, Matt Ryan would go from a team with a bad offensive line to another team with a bad offensive line. This, this trade would be not fun for Matt Ryan. But it's clear Miami, they wanted Deshaun Watson. They're, they're, Miami was ready to make a deal yesterday for Deshaun Watson. And, and not literally yesterday, but at the trade deadline, they, they clearly tried really hard to get Deshaun Watson. So Miami is in the mix to get a quarterback. Hey, Miami, you guys want uh, Matt Ryan? That's I get on the phone and make that call. We'll give you Matt Ryan for a couple first-round picks and Tua, and we'll see what we can do with Tua. And if Tua doesn't work out, it's kind of like the Jared Goff trade, where you're like, well, Jared Goff isn't our long-term quarterback, but we got a couple first-round picks, and we can use them to rebuild. So the top five trade destinations where Matt Ryan could potentially go. You got Cleveland, you got Denver, Pittsburgh, Houston, and maybe Miami. I think New Orleans could use him, but why would you trade your quarterback to a division rival? Same with Carolina. But I think the Browns with Matt Ryan would be fantastic. Denver too, but the Browns especially are a team that the way they play, the way they use play action, it's just a home run. Kevin Stefanski with Matt Ryan at quarterback, he could execute that offense at a high level. And I think that would be a lot of fun to see. So, I don't know. Stop blaming Matt Ryan for the problems in Atlanta. Does he throw some picks because he's desperate and got no help? Yes, absolutely. But I, I just think that it's it's really, really frustrating to watch Matt Ryan try to make the best of a bad situation in Atlanta. Let's talk briefly about Robert Sala. Robert Sala is the New York Jets head coach. And on Monday after losing, he basically made a comment to support Mike White, his young quarterback. Mike White, Mike White had a great game three weeks ago. He had a, his third ever NFL start on last Sunday. Played really bad. Had four interceptions. It was it was terrible. And Robert Sala made a quote that said, "He's like this market's interesting. Talking about the New York market, how people anoint him the second coming of Jesus Christ after he has a great game against Cincinnati, and then he has a bad game on uh, Sunday and." Jets fans want to discard Mike White, throw him away forever. And all that Robert Sala was doing was saying, I like Mike White. I support my guy. Let's not overreact one way or the other. And he's saying, like, I'm not ready to give up on Mike White. Basically saying, like, I I support Mike White. I like him. He's awesome. And he's just trying to support a young guy who had a bad game. Now, this Sunday— the Jets are playing the Miami Dolphins, a team that plays a lot of cover zero. Uh, they're they're a, a tough defense to go against right now. And you got a young quarterback, Mike White, who I wouldn't feel really confident with Mike White against the Dolphins defense. And so Robert Sala made the decision, we're going to go with Joe Flacco this weekend rather than Mike White. And people are saying, what? It's a big flip-flop from Robert Sala. I thought on Monday Robert Sala was supporting and defending Mike White. He was. He didn't say he's married to Mike White. He didn't say Mike White is the franchise quarterback of the Jets. He said, I like Mike White. He, he just basically had the guy's back. I, I don't see it. People are like really quick to say that Robert Sala is hypocritical or weird or going back on his word or something. It's like, no, no. It, he, he was trying to say, let's not overreact to Mike White one way or the other. And I think, I think Robert Sala made the right decision to go with Joe Flacco this weekend. I, I would not be surprised if... The Jets get shellacked on Sunday. Not because Tua's very good in Miami. I, I wish he was, but he's, he's not. But because the, the Dolphins' defense is really good. And I, I think Mike White, a young quarterback, against that, that cover zero look that the Dolphins run all the time, man coverage. You got to beat, th- you know, they got to make great decisions pre snap, get the ball out of your hands quickly, and beat man coverage. I don't know that Joe Flacco can do that. But I don't want to ruin my young quarterback, Mike White, or, or Zach Wilson by putting them out and throwing them to the Wolves. So I, I think part of why Robert Sala is starting Joe Flacco is simply because he's like, I just, I just don't want to you know, put my quarterbacks in a situation where they're not going to succeed and do horribly. Let's, let's let Joe Flacco take a beating. I'd rather, he's like, I'd rather that happen than Mike White take a beating or 
Zach Wilson take a beating. So I think people were way too harsh and uh, jumped all over Robert Sala, and I thought that was wrong. All right, let's talk about Hard Knocks. We had Hard Knocks, Indianapolis Colts, episode one on, I believe it came out on Wednesday. Yeah, so Man in the Arena was Tuesday. Hard Knocks was Wednesday. It's the first ever Hard Knocks during the regular season. And I went in pretty skeptical. I'm like, I don't know that I want this. And, you know, I, I don't really care. I wasn't excited. And I was thinking, like, man, I would hate to deal with Hard Knocks. It'd be terrible. And I, I watched, and, and I was like, oh, this is pretty good. Like, this is interesting. It's the first time in a long time I've watched Hard Knocks and gone, oh, you know, this makes sense. You know, the, the Colts are 5-5 five and five right now. They're trying to make it into the playoffs. They're trying to make a push late in the year. And they're kind of perfect because there is true tension. The Colts are on the edge of the playoffs. They're not sure whether they're actually going to make it or not. And if they do, it's a great story. It's going to be fun to watch or, or as the season comes to an end, watching Hard Knocks every week. That's going to be fun to see them actually make it into the playoffs if they do. And if they miss, it's still interesting. So I, I think the question, will the Colts get into the playoffs, is truly compelling. And Hard Knocks, this version of Hard Knocks is so much better than the preseason version. Now, there's a lot of filler. Uh, there's like they, they, They're trying to tell the Darius Leonard story. Darius Leonard is this amazing linebacker for the Colts. And they don't really have a reason to follow Darius Leonard around with the camera other than he's a really good football player. But being a good football player does not necessarily inherently make you interesting, in my opinion. Um, I, I, I just, he's a, he's a dad, kind of cool. Uh, I, I, they, they linger way too long on a shot of Darius Leonard's kid drinking like a whole can of 7-Up during the game. I'm like, I don't know why we need to like film this kid for like 30 seconds. They just stay on this one shot of the kid. Like, I'm like, I don't, I don't care. I don't know. I don't know. It's, Hard Knocks always tries to tell you a little bit more off the field, and it's, it's I don't know, and... You, you hear the story. You get to see the story of Carson Wentz. And you see him as a dad. I like Carson Wentz. I think he's awesome. I, I think that, um, you know, I it's cool to see the way the wives interact with the Colts. Your, your husband, if you're a, a football wife, your husband during football is just going to be busy for, you know, from <laughs> June, July. So July until January minimum. Your husband's just not around. He's not doing dishes. He's not cooking He's not doing much of anything for like a, a massive portion of the year. You're alone. And the, 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 the way the wives, I think, have relationship with each other and build community with each other to keep each other uh, company, frankly, during the regular season, I think is kind of interesting and kind of cool. Um, they told the story. I've, I've said it before on this podcast, how Frank Reich and Carson Wentz bonded over the same Bible verse during the pre-draft process and... It's just cool that Rob, Frank Reich, the Colts head coach, pounded the table. He really wanted the Colts general manager, Chris Ballard, to go get Carson Wentz and trade for him. They did. It's working really well. Uh, it's awesome. And uh, I thought that it was cool. Jonathan Taylor, the Colts running back, wants to win a championship. He talks about it. He's like, I didn't win one in high school, in college. This is kind of my last opportunity to do that. And I, I just think the the big takeaway here from Colts Hard Knocks is I'm realizing how much I really like the Colts organization, whether it be Jim Ursay, they're kind of crazy, but also invested owner who does genuinely care and want to win. And I think he'd be a good owner to play for because he, he supports you. He's got your back. He's got a cool personality. He's not overbearing and crazy. He just, he wants to help you guys win if he can. The Colts GM, Chris Ballard is amazing. Head coach Frank Reich is I like him as well. I mean, there's a lot to like in Indy. And uh my buddy Brett Coleman has these really cool sweatshirts. So he's got like Brett Coleman makes these sweatshirts where they've got like a play design. And I'm like, I don't I don't have a favorite team. So I'm like, I, I want to buy a sweatshirt from Brett to wear. But he makes them like very specifically tailored to football fans of certain teams, like he, I saw he made a Justin Fields Bears one, right? I'm not a, Bear, I'm not a Bears fan. I don't want to wear a, a Brett Coleman Chicago Bears sweatshirt. But I'm like, well, what team could I buy a sweatshirt for to support? I'm, I kind of came down. I'm like, well, the Colts or the Carolina Panthers because I like what the Colts are doing. I support them. I like, I like their organization. I would wear a Colts sweatshirt. That'd be kind of cool. I'd be like, yeah, 
I like the Colts. I like what they got going on. And I, I do legitimately. I like them. I find myself rooting for them. I, I hope that Jonathan Taylor can win that Super Bowl. That would be awesome. And I, I want the Colts to turn into a thing. I want to see them succeed. I really do. I, I, I would be so happy if the Colts, who, man, I, I think they need a left tackle. You know, to, they need to figure that out permanently. Uh, I, you know, Michael Pittman, their junior, their receiver is really turning into a big threat offensively. Jonathan Taylor might be the best running back in the league. Uh, I, I think the Colts, what they're they, they're doing and building, especially making that trade for Carson Wentz. Like, I want to see the Colts become a thing. I want to see them win a Super Bowl. That'd be fantastic. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm, I'm like, which which sweatshirt am I going to buy from Brett Coleman, Carolina or the Colts? Right now, it's a hard decision because I like both of them. I like what they got going on. And Hard Knocks Colts is, it's fun, man. It's interesting. I like it. And, um... I think that this is the best iteration of Hard Knocks we've seen in a long, long time. It's gotten boring. It's gotten mundane. It's gotten really pretty meaningless during training camp. So to have it happening during the regular season, I can report it's good. It's fairly interesting. It's more interesting than I thought it would be, and I came in very skeptical. And uh, it'll be fun to talk about as the weeks go on what we learn and see uh, behind the scenes with this Colts organization as they try to make a playoff push in front of a national audience on Hard Knocks. Okay, we have two topics left, and then we're going to get into Ask Zach. Let's talk briefly about college football. It's not a great weekend of college football coming up. There are one, two, three, four, literally only five games I'm even interested in, which it's not. A lot of teams are gearing up for their final. You know, Thanksgiving's a big weekend in college football. It's a weekend before Thanksgiving. A lot of teams have their rivalry games next weekend. Uh, but here are the five games I find somewhat interesting this weekend. Number 21, Arkansas plays on the road at number two, Alabama. So I, I just want to make a, a claim and a stand here. Alabama is going to dominate this football game. A lot of people are going to try to hype it up, make it interesting. The only reason why this game is on the list is for me to be able to mention, yeah, Alabama is going to kick the living tar out of Arkansas. It's not going to be a competition. Let's not pretend it's going to be going in. Uh, I'm eager to see Alabama destroy Arkansas on Saturday. Number seven, Michigan State plays at number four, Ohio State. They're both nine and one. They're both near the top of the college football playoff rankings. That'll be a really good, that's the game of the weekend right there. Michigan State on the road at Ohio State. I think Ohio State wins, but um, can you imagine, by the way, if Mel Tucker beat Ohio State on the road? Like, it would just be a slap in the face of, Jim Harbaugh and Michigan fans who Michigan, Michigan state right now, Michigan's ranked higher than Michigan state, even though Michigan state beat Michigan and um, <laughs> they got the same record. It makes no sense. But if Mel Tucker at Michigan state can find a way to beat Ohio state on the road in his second year as their head coach, why, that'd be amazing. And, and they're, they're talking about a massive contract extension. He would be earning that extension immediately. If he beat Ohio state on Saturday, I don't think they will, but that would be crazy if they did. Uh, Iowa State plays at number 13, Oklahoma. I want to see Oklahoma bounce back from losing to Baylor. I want to see them run the ball more, be more committed to the running game. I love Caleb Williams, their quarterback at Oklahoma. That'll be a fun game to watch. Uh, Number three, Oregon plays at number 23, Utah. Utah, uh, Salt Lake City in November in the cold. I've been there in November. It is cold. It does snow. That would be, I don't know. It's not a trap for Oregon. I think their game like the style of play they have at Oregon is actually kind of going to be good in cold weather, but keep your eye on that game. That'll be interesting. UCLA plays USC. That'll be fun. It's at USC, the Memorial Coliseum, the battle for LA. That's the the fifth game. The only other final game I'm interested in. There's not a lot of great matchups this weekend in college football. The best one is number seven, Michigan state at number four, Ohio state. And uh, that will be, that's going to be a great game. Like that might be the only college football game I talk about next week uh, on the show. By the way, I, I want to say I, I love what Mac Jones is doing. I, I should have said this earlier. Mac Jones is just—it's cool to see him do well. I, it really is. I, I just—I uh, love good quarterback play. Mac Jones is playing at such a high level right now, and he's—he's he's really doing the very best he can with what he's given. And that's, that's such a rare thing to see at the quarterback position, especially from a quarterback so young. 
I just want to say that, like, shout out to Mac Jones. That's awesome what he's doing right now with the Patriots. All right. Um, we have reached NFL Week 11. There are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games I find interesting this weekend. Uh, let's talk about them. Game number one, the 5-5 five and five Indianapolis Colts play on the road. Orchard Park, uh, that is in Buffalo, by the way, if you don't know. Uh, they play at the Buffalo Bills, who are 6-3. and three. This is an amazing football game. I cannot wait to watch the Colts at the Bills. Uh, the Colts are trying to make a playoff push, trying to save their season, frankly. And this is an opportunity against a really good Bills team to win and, and show that you're better than your record might suggest. So I'm really excited to watch the Colts and see how they perform on Sunday at Buffalo. Number two, you got Washington at Carolina. Carolina's playing their former coach, Ron Rivera. Cam Newton used to play quarterback for Ron Rivera, is going to play against Ron Rivera. I wonder if Ron Rivera's knowledge of Cam Newton gives them an edge in this game. I, I think Washington wins here because of that. You got a coach who wants revenge uh, for a second year in a row against his former team and maybe has special knowledge of Cam Newton. I think Washington beats Carolina this weekend, but I'm interested. I, I hope Cam does well. Number three, Bengals at the Raiders. They are both five and four. I, I think Cincinnati wins this game. It'll be hopefully fun. I mean, I, I want to see, I love Derek Carr. I want to see good stuff happen with the Raiders. The Raiders appear like their season is just sliding away from them as we talk. It's just getting, you know, all that off the field stuff that went on with John Gruden, Henry Ruggs, uh, Damon Arnett. It's all catching up to them. And Cincinnati is in dire need of a big win. Coming off a bye weekend, I believe they they are. And I, I want I, I think Cincinnati wins here pretty soundly over the Raiders. Then you got Cowboys at Kansas City. Oh boy, how good is Kansas City? Like we saw last weekend, Patrick Mahomes. I thought he got away with two throws that should have been picked off. Uh, but I, I thought that that's the best we've seen Patrick Mahomes play all year was last weekend. And I want to see that continue. Like, how does Patrick Mahomes respond after a really good weekend last weekend? Can he keep it going? Like, was last weekend proof that Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes are getting better and, and making improvements? Or, because they beat the Raiders pretty soundly, or was that just, you know, playing a bad defense and a team that's reeling the Raiders? Dallas is a playoff team, I think. And them beating Kansas City would be a big statement to say, yeah, we, we have arrived. We are, we are what everyone thinks we are. We're a playoff team. We're really good. A lot of implications here. We're going to learn a lot from Kansas City and from the Cowboys this weekend. I just, I, again, I ask you, has Kansas City solved a lot of their problems? Because they beat the Raiders soundly last weekend. Was that, was that an example of them getting better? Or will they kind of slip up again and go back to what they've been all year against Dallas? Number five, didn't expect to talk about the Jaguars, but the Jaguars are hosting the 49ers in Jacksonville. The 49ers are coming off of a massive win over LA, a big emotional win where it's you see often teams follow up a great performance with a bad one. And the Jaguars, they're two and seven, but they are building momentum. Every time I watch the Jaguars, I mean, they beat Buffalo. They competed with the Colts last weekend. Like the Jaguars are, I think it's, man, Urban Meyer. I, I'm, it's looking like I might end up being wrong about Urban Meyer, who I thought they should have fired him. I, look, the Jaguars are getting better and better and better. And it's kind of cool too, the way that they've really adjusted their defense in Jacksonville. They thought they were going to play a lot of man coverage they're realizing they're really good at zone, and that's kind of what their identity as a defense is becoming. And uh, I I'm excited to watch the 49ers-Jaguars this weekend. Now, the 49ers run the ball really well. Uh, that is going to be a, a – that's going to be interesting. I don't know. I, keep your eye on the 49ers-Jaguars game. That could be more interesting than it would suggest based on the Jaguars' record. Uh, then you got Cardinals at Seattle. I am hoping for Kyler Murray against Russell Wilson. Kyler Murray is – trying to come back from an injury. They won't say whether he's going to play or not uh, up until this point. At, at time of recording, we don't know. I, I want, I want, I think it's going to be a great game. Kyler against Russell and keep your eye on that. Sunday night football is the Steelers at the Chargers. Uh, I, I'm going to talk about it because it's a primetime game. I think LA wins this pretty soundly over Pittsburgh. Uh, but keep your eye on that game. 
And then game number eight, Monday night football, the Giants at the Buccaneers. The Buccaneers have lost two games in a row. Tom Brady has five interceptions in two weeks, and people are all over Tampa. They're terrible. They're bad, this and that. And uh, Okay, let, let's see what Tampa's made of here, hosting the Giants, who played them pretty well last year. And it's a good opportunity for Tom Brady to show, no, 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 no. We, we, yeah, we've had a rough couple of weeks, but we're fine. So we'll see what happens on Monday night, but Giants at Buccaneers will be fun. We get to watch Daniel Jones and... It's always fun to watch the Giants. I just think the Giants are interesting, and they're a good primetime team because it gives you a lot to talk about. It's a, a passionate fan base, a quarterback who's got a lot of question marks, who's going to make a couple good plays, a couple bad plays. It'll be fun to break down. I'm excited to talk about Monday Night Football on Tuesday next week. It'll be really, really uh, a fun game to break down. Giants at Buccaneers. So those are the eight best eight games this weekend during NFL Week 11. All right, we are flying through this episode. It is now time for Ask Zach. In case you do not know, you go to patreon.com forward slash Zach Schaumler. Uh, this is where I answer questions from the audience. Again, patreon.com forward slash, forward slash Zach Schaumler. You give a dollar a month. You can give more if you want to. Please do. It literally helps pay my rent. But a dollar a month gives you access to submit questions on patreon now if you submit a question i do not guarantee to read it on the show my only guarantee is i look at each question with my eyeballs i pick the top couple i'll read them on the show today we start with lando lando says would you rather first develop a quarterback or the offensive line it's it's tempting here when you have a draft you got a quarterback you think is special it's tempting to draft them. And I, I probably would. If I had a quarterback who I, I really believed in, I thought this guy is going to be amazing, like a Joe Burrow-level quarterback, who I think is the best quarterback you know, prospect since Andrew Luck. I don't know how you pass up on a great quarterback, but I, I'll tell you what. It, it, ideally, you develop an offensive line, then you work on getting your quarterback because it's already hard enough to develop a quarterback. Like, let's not handicap ourselves any more than we have to and make it even more difficult because trying to develop a quarterback with a bad offensive line that's brutal and I wouldn't want to do that so yeah if if ideally you build the team then you get the quarterback but because it's it's a lot easier to win as a young quarterback when you got a lot of help so uh look at Dak Prescott Dak Prescott rookie quarterback had a great year partially hey it helped that he had a good team around him Look at Mac Jones in New England. He's got a great team around him. He's getting better, uh, and he, he certainly has developed very quickly. He's making great decisions. Mac Jones is playing great. You can't deny that. But it sure as hell helps him that he's got a good football team around him in New England. Ben writes and says, Hey, Zach, I'm a 21-year-old diehard Steelers fan. My whole life they have been Super Bowl contenders. I know this is Ben's last year, and I'm worried about our future. Our defense is great. We have a good wide receiving core and a strong run game. However, I have zero confidence in the quarterbacks on our roster. With a weak quarterback class in this year's draft, do you think we should make a run at a veteran quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or have some faith in Haskins and hope Tomlin can coach the former first-round pick into what he could have been in Washington? By the way, I've been a fan for years, and I'm so glad you're finally living your dream in Hawaii. Thanks, man. Yeah, dude, it's the weather here is great. Uh, I would trade for Matt Ryan. That's the thing I think my dream here. I I don't think Dwayne Haskins is your answer long-term. Clearly, the Steelers need a long-term quarterback, at least for the next couple of years. And a Matt Ryan trade, trade away a couple first-round picks, get Matt Ryan, like that gives you the quarterback you need, and you need one badly. I don't believe in Dwayne Haskins long-term. I don't know that the answer is in the draft. For a team like Pittsburgh, who's good and not going to have a top pick. So, uh, yeah, I think the, the best option they could do is trade for Gardner Minshew, maybe, or trade for uh, who's not as good as Matt Ryan, but maybe is a guy who could come out of nowhere and play for you. And be maybe, if nothing else, Gardner Minshew could be a duct tape quarterback where you fill the gap for a while. He's not your perfect solution, but he's good enough for now until you can find a long term quarterback. Maybe Gardner Minshew. I, I think a Matt Ryan trade to Pittsburgh would be really compelling and really fun and very, very interesting. Okay, Davis writes in, said, Hey, Zach, the Colts won, not convincingly, 
I think a team is good, but it looks like we're weak on the line. It's crazy and maybe a bit stupid, but do we bench Carson Wentz for a first-round tackle? Let me look this up. I want to make sure I have the right numbers here. Wentz trade conditions. So I believe it's 75% of the snaps, but let's find out. So uh, here's how the Colts, uh, here's how the Eagles conditional first back. Blah, 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 blah. So if the Colts have Carson Wentz play 75% of their offensive snaps, uh, then the Colts become the Colts pick that they, so the, the Colts traded a first round pick to Philly. It's conditional. If Carson Wentz plays 75% of the snaps in Indy, that pick that's sent to Philly becomes a first-round pick. Or if Carson Wentz plays 70% of the offensive snaps in 2021 and the Colts reach the playoffs, then also the Eagles are getting a first-round pick. If either one of those things do not happen, then the pick that the Colts sent to Philly is a second-round pick, not a first-round pick. So you're going to have this interesting conversation. Do the Colts make a playoff push and try hard to get to the playoffs? Or... Even despite being in the playoff hunt, could they bench their quarterback Carson Wentz at the end of the year to avoid having to give up a first round pick to Philly? It'll be a really interesting conversation. I think if you can make the playoffs or even to get close, you you make that happen. Uh, but yeah, they do need to figure out what their long term plan is at that offensive tackle position. And I don't I don't know what you do. I, I don't think you I don't think it makes sense to bench Carson Wentz in a year where you're actually legitimately in the playoff hunt, but I mean, that is a developing story with the Colts. And if they lose a couple games here coming up, I I think then you really could legitimately argue that the Colts should put Carson on the back burner for a little bit so they can get a better draft pick uh, next year in the first round. Tim Wrightson says, Hey Zach, can you talk about Patriots receiver Jacoby Myers catching his first ever NFL receiving touchdown. His career stats before catching his first touchdown pass are this. He had 135 receptions on 197. He had 135 catches on 197 targets in 38 games. So had a lot of catches before ever getting his first NFL touchdown. He had 1,560 receiving yards, an NFL record for the most yards ever without having a touchdown. He had three two-point conversions. So he caught the ball in the end zone. They just weren't touchdowns. Uh, He had two passing touchdowns. Jacoby Myers threw for two touchdowns before he ever caught one. And Jacoby Myers is a receiver. He's got a perfect passer rating. He had 18 red zone targets. He had multiple receiving touchdowns called back by penalties. Uh, It's absolutely absurd. He did not have a receiving touchdown until now. He had one on Sunday. Tim, great write-in. Not a lot more to say. I think you you pretty much summed it up, but it's pretty crazy that Jacoby Myers, a guy who's as talented as he is, an undrafted receiver out of NC State, who is head and shoulders better than former first-round pick Nikhil Harry, came in in the same draft, and Jacoby Myers is the better receiver by a lot. And one's a first-round pick, one's undrafted. It's ridiculous. And uh, he's, he's just a Patriots guy. He does everything he's told. He blocks hard. He runs the right routes. He knows where to be. Jacoby Myers is a guy, I'm glad he got his first touchdown catch, and so deserving uh, of all the praise he gets. He's fantastic. Sean writes in, Sean says, Browns Browns fan here, not too proud of how the year is going. My question is, would you ever consider breaking down every team during the offseason with a friend or fan who likes that team? Talking about teams who made the playoffs could be before the draft, blah, 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 blah. I'm not going to read all this stuff. But he says, potentially, uh, more famine. It's, it, this is an idea that involves a lot of work, but could make the offseason go by quicker, generate more fan involvement, and potentially give you and listeners a different perspective on each team through a fan's eyes. Keep up the great work. So, Sean, I love your idea. I actually have a plan to do that. We have, I forget his name right now. What What is this, the guy's name? Uh, worst take. Quincy, I think it's Quincy something. Worst take is coming on. After the year is over, uh, look up Worst Take on YouTube. He's coming on the show in February to break down the Brown season with me. We'll have Marcus Whitman on to talk about the Packers. We'll also probably have Tom Grossi on for an episode. I haven't talked to him about that, but I'm sure Tom will come on uh, to break down his his perspective on the Packers season. Uh, we'll have Lawrence Owen to talk about the Colts. We'll have my buddy Joe Roselle to talk about the Giants. Uh, I'm open for business. I, I Maybe I'll, I'll try to you know get—I've never talked to Brandon Perna. 
but maybe we can get Brandon Perna on to talk about the Denver Broncos. Guy I respect. I like him. And he's got, he's a dad. He's awesome. Brandon Perna, if you're watching, nothing but love for, for you. You're fantastic. And I, I really respect what you do. And I love you. Uh, we got mutual friends, Tom Grassi, a couple other people. Let's get Brandon Perna on in February. That'd be pretty fun. Uh, let me let me put like a little vacancy sign. Open for business. In February, I want to talk to as many people of specific teams as possible. I'd love to break down every team if I can uh, with a fan or an expert on their team. And uh, I want to make a podcast about every team. You know, I, I will do predictions versus reality. That'll be separate. But yeah, it'd be fun to do an in-depth breakdown of every team and talk about the highs and lows and how fans of that team feels about their team after the year is over. So Sean, good write in. I didn't read the whole thing, but I, I got where you were going. And it, that is a plan I do have for the show in the future. Okay. Uh, one, two, three, four big blocks of writing from Nate. Uh, we'll see how much of it I read, but he says, Nate, Nate says, Hey Zach, I actually asked this a couple times ago, but I can't stop thinking about a scenario, especially after last Sunday. Nate says, I'm a Lions fan. Yes. Weep for me. And it has been really conflicting watching this year. I love Dan Campbell and I'm fully committed, uh, fully confident he can install a winning culture in Detroit. However, I don't think Jared Goff whatsoever. I, however, I don't think... So he, he doesn't believe in Jared Goff. With that being said, though, I am not overly impressed with any of the quarterbacks in this upcoming draft. So the scenario I'm proposing is that the Lions forgo drafting a quarterback this year and instead use one of those picks for a reliable offensive lineman, uh, defensive staples, and possibly a talented wide receiver. In addition, I would like the Lions to pursue Baker Mayfield in the offseason. There seems to be questions about whether the Browns would want to keep him or not. I believe he would be he would mesh very well with Dan Campbell's personality and culture. We'd love to hear your thoughts on this. Regardless, keep up the good work, and I look forward to your next episode. So I, I think the answer is Malik Willis. I think Malik Willis, the quarterback out of Liberty, would be fantastic in Detroit. However, and I would draft Malik Willis right now. Like, that's the beauty of having Jared Goff is Jared Goff is not your long-term quarterback. He's your guy for right now. Bring in Malik Willis. He can sit on the bench and become your starting quarterback eventually. Paying Jared Goff a lot of money. You're not going to get rid of him this offseason. He can be your starting quarterback day one next year. Malik Willis can sit on the bench until he's prepared. And until Malik Willis is ready, you got Jared Goff playing. Now, Baker does fit very well with Dan Campbell. Baker's fiery. He's passionate. A lot of emotion there. Uh, that'd be fun to watch Dan Campbell collaborate with Baker Mayfield. Now, again, the the roadblock there is Jared Goff's contract. Are you going to give Baker Mayfield a big contract while you also have Jared Goff? I think the only other quarterback alliance can pivot to right now financially is a guy on a rookie contract like Malik Willis will have. But uh, I think, yeah, I, I do think you're right, Nate, when you say that Dan Campbell's personality and Baker's would mesh very well. So I don't, I don't know that it's feasible financially to make that up. Baker's going to want a big contract. He probably won't get it, but I don't see him signing. You can't have two guys making even starting quarterback caliber money in Detroit with Jared Goff and Baker. But, uh, man, Baker would be really fun to see in Detroit. I totally agree with you there. Connor writes in and says, Hey, Zach, I want to see a Patriots-Buccaneers Super Bowl so badly. It's strange because as a Falcons fan, I've always hated Brady and Belichick, but now that they are separate, I kind of love them. I mean, part of why you hate Brady and Belichick, probably because they beat you in a Super Bowl. That would hurt really bad. And by the way, everyone talked about leading up to the Patriots-Falcons game on Thursday night. Oh, 28-3. to It doesn't matter. None of the people that played in that Super Bowl, almost none of them are there anymore in Atlanta or New England. You got the coach, Belichick against Matt Ryan, sure. But I just thought that it was way, over, like, talked about way too much, 28-3. to leading up to Thursday Night Football this week. Now, as far as Patriots versus Tampa in the Super Bowl, that'd be amazing. Belichick against Brady in the Super Bowl. Mac Jones against Tom Brady. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, that would be, I don't know if that'll happen. It's possible, though. And that would be very, very cool to see. Okay, I got two more left. Miles writes and says, Hey, Zach, first time writing in on Patreon. You already recorded this episode, so I still hope you're reading this with your eyeballs. I just want to say how important your show has been to me. Like you, I've gone through depression. I listen to the show to calm me down during rough times. Sometimes I'll listen to a super old segment that sticks out to me. 
A few nights ago, I needed distractions. I re-listened to your quarterback tier list. You should do another segment like that at the end of the regular season. Zach, you're actually helping me out so much. Seeing you move to Hawaii is inspiring, man. I've seen the initiative you took, and that makes me want to live out, want to get out of my hometown of Chicago. Funny enough, the place I am trying to move to is Klamath Falls. Keep doing what you're doing. I can't wait to see what's in your future. Miles, first of all, thank you. I, I get a lot of messages like that. I wanted to read this one because uh, I've been having a hard time. It's been, uh, you know, and it's, it's, really, it's really frustrating to feel like you're having a hard time when I, I literally live in paradise. I've got the best job. I've got an amazing life. I've got, I live in Hawaii. How can I be struggling? It makes no sense. Like logically, you're like, I, I really get mad at myself. I'm like, I'm like, Zach, how can you be having a hard time? You have everything you've ever wanted. And I do. But it's still, that's not how depression works, man. Like you can have everything on paper and still be struggling. And so uh, I wanted to share that. Klamath Falls is dope, by the way. I've been to Klamath Falls. Cool lake there, some mountain views, Southern Oregon. Uh, dude, Miles, go to Klamath Falls. That sounds like your dream and you should pursue your dream. I got a couple dreams coming up. I got, I'm really excited for, um, some pivots coming up in my life. And, uh, yeah, I just, Miles, that's awesome. Thank you for writing in. I really appreciate that. And I just encourage everyone, if you're struggling, go get help. And my nose is really itchy. Hold on. Get a journal. And start writing. It really helps me process my feelings to journal out my thoughts. And if you can afford it, go get therapy. Like there are places that you can do therapy, not in person that are way cheaper. But man, even if you're like having a hard time getting yourself to therapy or you're having a hard time um, affording it, buy a a notebook, a composition notebook. It's $1.50. It's got 200 pages. Fill it up with your thoughts. You can journal and process your emotions on paper with a pen and paper. And it is, it's been a life-changing thing for me. I started doing it. My brother died journaling. And I don't mean like just writing down like, I, I went to McDonald's today. I took a walk. Like, no, no. How are you feeling? Like, how, like, and I mean, share your darkest thoughts. Talk about how like you're struggling and you, you know, trying to avoid alcohol. Like I, I, for me, I don't drink alcohol. It makes my tummy feel bad. It also is something I have a very addictive personality. I love it. And I don't, I lose control. Like I, if I drink, I, I, I get drunk. There, there isn't really much middle ground there. So I, I don't drink alcohol. And I, I wrote about that and I figured all that out. Um, I don't think I'm an alcoholic. Uh, cause I, 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 I mean, maybe I sound like a, a guy in denial. I can drink and just have a couple and or even have one. I don't really enjoy it. But my, my point is saying that like I had to process all my feelings about that and figure out like, yeah, it's just better if I stay away from it. I don't it doesn't benefit me. Um I, I just encourage you guys, like, if you're having a hard time, journal about your emotions. Feel free to write them down and process them with a pen and paper. That's been something that really, really helped me and helped change my life, and I can't encourage you to do that. Enough. It's a really cheap alternative to therapy. And if nothing else, it's a stepping stone to get you to go to therapy. Because when I started journaling, I, I, I put out all my problems on pen and paper. And I'm like, when you can see it in front of you physically, man, it makes you really face, literally face the problems you have. And, and that was the catalyst that got me to go to therapy where I'm like, this journal is dark. And I saw all my problems right in front of me. I'm like, I need to go talk to a professional and get help. And uh, I can't encourage enough getting a journal uh, to help you process your emotions. Final topic of the day. Uh, final topic. Final question of the day. It's, it's not a question. It's a write-in. Allie writes in with a couple fun facts. I love ending this way. She says, uh, number one, former 49er great Steve Young is the great, great grandson of Brigham Young, one of the, one of the original founders of Mormonism. It makes sense when you learn that he had 55 wives and 56 children. Oh, my gosh. That is – that's a lot of people to be associated with, let alone married to. And number two, two days out of 365 days of the year feature no professional sports games, MLB, NBA, NHL, or NFL. The day before and the day after the MLB All-Star break. Interesting. Uh, number three, 
because they both lost so many players to World War II military service, the Pittsburgh Steelers and Philadelphia Eagles combined as teams for the 1943 season. What were they known as? Oh my gosh. The Steagles. And she says, I'm not making this up. That's, that's horrible. I didn't know that. <laughs> that's funny. Um, number four, Mickey Mantle was originally shortstop. Uh, Originally a shortstop, but after making 102 errors in the last two years in the minors, he was moved to the outfield. So Mickey Mantle was almost a shortstop. That's crazy. And if he'd stayed at shortstop, we probably would never have heard of him. So that's crazy. The first sport we, uh, the first sport as we know it today was likely wrestling, and it was originated in Greece in 776 BC. Interesting. And finally, uh, number six. In 1950, India withdrew from the first and only. World Cup it ever qualified for because FIFA banned playing barefoot. Huh. So India in 1950 didn't play in the World Cup because they wanted to play barefoot. And FIFA didn't allow them to. Huh. Uh, I want to say Shohei Otani won the baseball MLB MVP. That's pretty cool. He did some special stuff. He's a unicorn. Very deserving. It's pretty funny. I saw a meme that the Angels have had four... MVP awards since 2012 and zero playoff wins. That's brutal. But Shohei Tani, I was very happy to see him win the MLB MVP. Guys, that's all I have for today. I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great weekend watching football, uh, NFL, Formula One, college football. But the Formula One race is going to be amazing this weekend. So anyway, I love you. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum-bum, bam, we are